Hello, you're listening to Oblivion. It's January 23rd, 2023, 23, 23, 23, 23, 23. David, let's, that- uh, let's, let's uh, start with the... Um, uh, returning to our um, old old theme, our old friend, our old acquaintance, Alex Baldwin, back in the news. And you guessed it, it's related to his uh, shooting of his uh, cinematographer and his uh, uh, killing her and the shooting he survived of the uh, um, director uh, of, uh, what was it, Rust? Rust. Yeah, on the scene in the scene of rust, I guess it was inside this little fake church that they made in the desert. There, uh, he is going to be a fake charged. church as opposed to what? <laughs> right, got you. You got me, man. <laughs> yeah, the, um, uh, all of the apparently... <laughs> heartfelt love that just is beaming through the land. Yeah, the um, apparently he will be charged with involuntary manslaughter. Uh, so uh, the the most minor murder, basically negligent homicide. Um, I um, my prediction right off the bat, he'll have the best, um, you know, lawyers in the land. Um, and it seems like there's just a lot of. Um, too too many questions going on there to about procedures and who's responsible for um you know right. pull off everybody's got to decide that without a reasonable doubt that he you know was the negligent party here and should be charged with with that uh, offense um i don't think it's going to happen but you know who knows um but i think it'll be good in the fact that it will kind of bring out the whole um gun issue in film um you know should you have real guns at all um um, of course you shouldn't i mean (laughs) uh, right uh, i mean that's a if uh you know yeah. Too little, too late. Right, it's a term that comes to mind. Well, right? I mean, there was the with everything else there was the there. other fa- famous occasion uh, that Bruce Lee's son um, accidentally shot himself uh, with uh, what he thought was an unloaded gun. Um, actually, what happened with that? Um, there was. I think it was like something went wrong with a dummy bullet and like there was metal lodged in the barrel. So then when he shot a blank um, and um, it dislodged this metal into his brain. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, nothing really happened after that. Um, uh, but I think this time there'll, there'll be some uh, uh, major changes, if not anything, just because of the insurance companies will be like, you know. We're not going <laughs> to, you know, it's going to cost you too much to have a real gun in your fucking film. You just might as well get you some toys and do it like you should, right? Um, right. There, I mean, there is an overlapping um, cavalier attitude toward guns. And, and yeah. I, what people might not want to admit it, but there is a macho, badass... Yeah, I'm, you know, I am this tough guy 
uh, not just as an actor, but in real life. I mean, I'm a superstar and now, you know, every once in a while we're, we got some guns and, you know, we point them. I mean, it, it's, it's really a, a horrible tragedy. And so I'm not a, a, a legal expert, but I'll just want to make this observation. So there's a famous movie, the hunt for red October Mm-hmm. probably know the film right yeah, right and uh it's the, a really good film yeah the submarine that's like it's right. disabled or something or it's like what, what happened with that well it's um it's they they make it it's a it's a soviet submarine mm-hmm. that's made that uh where you can't hear it uh-huh. it can move without making any sound and uh um, but then things happen. And so they, in order to keep going, they have to go to a different kind of engine. And so now they'll be picked up. And then there's the, um, not, not Russian, but Lithuanian, um, uh, Soviet, uh, Navy commander who's defecting played by Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. Right. And Alec Baldwin is the CIA character. Uh, uh, Ryan, hmm. um, I'm trying to give, uh, the, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, Jack, Jack Ryan. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I don't want to get bogged down. It's the <laughs> yeah. film, right? but toward the end of the movie, one of the, uh, climactic moments is when Jack Ryan has to jump into action and take out the saboteur. Uh, that is one of the many layers of, of sabotage and defection and political intrigue that's all broiling up toward the end, right? And uh, what, of course, winds up happening is uh, a young Alec Baldwin uh, has his gun and, you know, uh, has a confrontation with the saboteur, finds him, and uh, the, the brainy uh, agent who's been able to piece together everything that's going on, right, reason that this uh uh russian uh, soviet commander is is defecting right character played by sean connery right now he's got to really prove himself by uh shooting somebody killing them with a gun right and as you said in the previous discussion we had on this was an excellent point is the message is violence solves problems right but uh, before I get into that, just let me finish with regard to the legal situation. So uh, what you could argue is, is that uh, an actor like Alec Baldwin and all these other people, they have a reasonable expectation because of the particular situation in which they are working with a gun that um, they've been told that this is safe to use. It's like I buy a car and then the first thing I'm supposed to do is you know, take it apart and put it back together or inspect it myself. And do people do that? Of course not. Right. So are they themselves liable if they buy a car and the car breaks down and causes an accident? Um, anyway, maybe that's not yeah. the, the, be- the best example, but you could argue that this is different than if it's a situation where outside of a context of making a film, uh, Alec Baldwin happened to pick up a, a, a gun and it goes off and he kills someone and he doesn't mean to. This is, I think, different than that. It's also different than if they had just been on set and they had just been um, 
screwing around, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and jerking around. This didn't have anything to do with the actual rehearsal, which, as I understand, is what it was. It was a rehearsal of the scene. Um, so to put it, you're basically pinning the blame, you know, all on him. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but but that's his side of the story. Here's a, here's another side of the story, sure. which is um, that, uh, first of all, should you ever point, even if someone asks you to, point a weapon, that is a deadly weapon, which that was, blanks or not, you still have to, should treat it as a deadly weapon at all times. You should never point a gun at another human being. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just right. kind of basic, right. that's the basic tenet here. And um, and he failed to do so. Uh, now, sh- sure, uh, he claims she told me to do that, you know, which if he wasn't, you know, um, uh, such a psycho. Uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, he would have never thought to have done that so carelessly. Right. Right. Uh, and that would him fiddling with it, you know, and his denials that he never pulled the trigger, even though apparently there's evidence that he did pull the trigger. Uh, he claims that somehow he accidentally hit the hammer in his actions, whatever his actions were. Um, right, but it's a carelessness, right? And that, yeah, and, uh, th- yeah. that I think I totally agree. Yeah, uh, and that, there's that, and there's also. Um, you know, a, a responsible person would have taken, um, first of all, if you know you're handling, he's handled guns, like you said, for his whole career. Uh, he knows what they're about. Um, he's shot them with blanks, possibly shot them uh, many times with live rounds. Uh, he knows how they work. Um, he knows, should know, uh, well, he sh- definitely should know how they work. He should also know the difference between live rounds and not live rounds. Uh, he should check the gun every time that he's going to fiddle with it, uh, that it's safe, that it has safe rounds in it. I mean, he denies that he should, you know, that he's just blaming it on everybody else. But I think when the rubber hits the road in that situation, when you're handling uh, you know, the rubber does hit the road with Alec Baldwin, especially in this situation. I mean, he's not some flunky, uh, you know, just new to guns and new to movies. He's done it his whole fucking life. Uh, and he's actually was the money behind it all. So, you know, <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning quite heavily in my own mind that the guy's quite, was quite negligent in the situation and should never have shot that person well people. i think that your <laughs> use of the word psycho yeah well uh, you so know I mean, his con- his commentary when you hear his on him. yeah when you hear his commentary like i'm a thousand percent sure that i did not pull the trigger on this you know there's just sort of a lacking in now sure he was being questioned right after and that you know um uh out of context who knows but uh, just his general denials and pointing his finger at everybody else and um it's just kind of gross um (laughs) so you're right yeah and um yeah so um yeah and right and there there are a lot of other complicating factors with this whole thing right there was apparently like a bunch of People quit the night before thinking it was an, saying that it was an unsafe working situation and that 
they quit because like live rounds had been shot on set uh, the day before. Uh, okay. See, yeah. See, there's, yeah. there's, and th- there's part. It's that's what's going to be interesting about this case uh, if it comes to trial, which it probably will, is we're going to see all the ugly underbelly of this of this production, and uh, it's probably not going to look too good. Um, so, um, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, sure. There's there's this overlapping like yeehaw macho culture that I think ties into everything, mm. right? The, the 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 filmmaking, and and that, that there is it's not completely just fantasy or the the make-believe of the film it, it's like how these people live it's part of their lifestyle and, right? and the guns guns the guns cavalier do these stunts right yeah and the cavalier and, nature that the film industry and just the um, um unfortunately very prevalently um the cavalier nature they have um cavalier attitude they have towards firearms in films which i've complained about a lot and you know my my statement there of uh you know uh, gun solve problems and you just see guns so in, in american films way more than you see in foreign films it's just like every goddamn movie has a bunch of guns in it now what's the most um uh, popular movie now it's apparently an anti-colonial uh, you know, pro defend yourself movie, but the, from beginning to end, Avatar is just one big shoot 'em up. You know, <laughs> hardcore. You know, high tech. Um, you know, Avatar. <laughs> av- you know, super uh, violent. You know, and uh, sure, you've, you Didn't feel we bad, see that? huh? Yeah, I, I think you and I saw that. No, the new Avatar. Oh, okay. The Way of Water. Surely you've heard. About it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the new the new version. It's like the number one. Yeah, gonna gonna well, be the number. I've been immersing myself in, uh, in in foreign films actually, and it's um, now that you mentioned that um, I, I saw two uh, Spanish films, and uh, they, uh, uh, I mean, there wasn't really any. It, they were these really compelling, interesting films, and there wasn't any, you know, shoot 'em up. Mm-hmm. violence right uh, in them and yeah. uh you can do uh, that i think that <laughs> yeah that's right that there's more to life and there's <laughs> there are ways for people to have a dramatic uh, situation it, without pulling the guns out to solve it right yeah. you can have action right mm-hmm. you can have like intensity uh like dialogue for example <laughs> yeah. uh now i think that it's dialogue stuff only i don't know just the fact that, that it's a cultural thing Right with the, how these foreign films do it, but definitely with the time period. Uh, these films last night were um, 1976 and 1981, mm-hmm. and I uh, that reinforces for me like that was I think a, a, a peak. What were their names? A, a golden age of filmmaking. Uh, one was uh, Dulces Horas, and then the other one. Um, golly, uh, it's this, uh, it's the woman's name and it's like, uh, Estrella Mi Vida with, uh, Fernando Ray, uh, 1981, mm-hmm. maybe slightly mistaken on the title of, of the second one, mm-hmm. 
they ended uh, nearly at six o'clock uh, in, in the morning. But I have to say, I really enjoy watching films at that time because mm -hmm. it's just such a finally a part of the day that's like quiet in the mm -hmm. darkness of, of night mm -hmm. on top of having the lights out to watch mm -hmm. the film is, mm -hmm. I think, makes the film come alive more. Um, but back to the, the, the gun thing, your, your points about Alec Baldwin are, I think, uh, spot on. And the characterization of Psycho, I think, is emblematic of like this egomaniacal culture of Hollywood and American filmmaking, which itself overlaps with American culture, which right. is egomaniacal and mm -hmm. psychopathic. And all of those elements, all those cultural elements and a cavalier, careless attitude, macho attitude, and just this um, nonstop, super in-your-face, aggressive <laughs> psycho, right? Which is the way these people are. I'm ready for another role. I'm going to do this. I'm playing this. I'm doing this. Now I'm going to be on stage. Now, right? Just boom, 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 boom for, mm -hmm. you know, 40 years, you know, since they've been nine years old, you know, doing this stuff and stars since they were young adults um and it's just like sure you know here you go you know what boom like person's uh uh dead because there's just uh that this type of person probably just never slows down and and never there's ever any like reflection or uh expansion right how to get beyond things and uh like for me these things overlap uh like the idea of you know violence solves problems and the egomania the psycho uh overlap with the uber nuclear political class which um if you would indulge me and i'd really like yeah. feedback on this because i think you would agree with me but everything i've been reading and i've emailed you some things th this this clear escalation right i mean russia is consistent in saying like you better be careful about how much you're arming ukraine and and certainly like any of, of these weapons like weapons that we have ukraine wind up you know blowing something up in in russia right if they're not just used in in the ukraine uh territory right so that they're gonna just uh go <laughs> Russia's going to go crazy. And we know that... They're going to go well, ballistic, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how in the world people don't um, uh, uh, ponder this. And this is not Nicaragua, <laughs> you know? Yeah, This right. is not... Uh, yeah. <laughs> didn't we go to war with Panama? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was... That was uh, we were like seniors in high school. That was Bush. That was Bush number, number one. Number uh, one. Yeah, yeah, that was his big the accomplishment. Third. Get down, Noriega. Get in Noriega. Boy, that really <laughs> set everybody straight, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And look at where we are. You know, Noriega, the CIA guy who went rogue and they had to kill him, you know. Well, eventually I, he died in prison, but, but anyway. So the consistent, uh, and, and the way that the American press has been uh, burying this issue right then the way that that's done is i can here's the empirical framework right for uh being able to determine if this is happening 
you look at the overall article, right, and you see how far into the article uh, the that uh, um, nuclear es- escalation, right, is is mentioned, mm-hmm. and then after that, do the following paragraphs build on that particular issue, right? Mm-hmm. As though really there is any other issue. And if, if the uh, answer is that it's not until way down in the article, say like the 10th paragraph, as I think one of the ones that I emailed you had, then one, you know that you're, it's being buried, right? And then if the following paragraphs don't build on this issue of the possibility of nuclear war or of Russia using more uh, extreme and advanced weapons, um, which could be uh, catastrophic, <laughs> um, then uh, then, you know, that the, the that issue is being systematically uh, ignored and it's being glossed over with this chest pounding rah rah macho psycho we're gonna win and do it and we're brave and you know we're united and i stand with i'm on this i'm taking sides and i'm on this side and other people on this side we're gonna win because we're strong and and no one will uh shut up and and like think about what's actually uh, really could possibly happen. And, I, you know, I'm sick of being nervous about things. And I really do think that this year is going to build towards some, um, you know, possible, you know, brink of nuclear war. Like we're going to we're going to go back to 1962. Wasn't that the year of the Cuban mm-hmm. Missile Crisis? Correct. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... Um... Well, and some, some like the, as far as the, it's as bad as it was definitely in the early '80s, uh, as far as the atomic clock, you know, the minutes to midnight, uh, uh, union of atomic right, scientists right. Uh, thing. Uh, you know, it's as about as close as it's ever been to their theoretical midnight. Now, of course, they started adding uh, climate, um, uh, the climate disaster. Uh, into their thinking there so it's they've got a little boost with the new uh, existential threat uh, <laughs> for their little clock but um yeah it's uh it's it's pretty grim and and the attitude is just uh what is really in some ways worse uh than the time of reagan and that uh this attitude there was a sense of diplomacy, right? And now it's like you can't even suggest to <laughs> talking to Russia is just uh, f- verboten. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that wasn't the case in the 80s. Now there was, you know, there were. Well, there and were, in the 80s, it yeah, was there was a, a bellicose. The, the topic of a nuclear war was, was yeah. a big topic. Remember right. that, that movie? Oh, yeah. uh, it was, it actually aired on uh, ABC. It wasn't like a. Yeah, HBO. Yeah, the day the day like after. That. Right. Um, yeah. Jason Robards, I think, is mm-hmm. in it. Like, there's mm-hmm. actually a nuclear war. Yeah, like yeah. Some nuclear bombs go off. And yeah. Then totally. It's what it's like to live after that, and of course, you do, you wouldn't see anything like that uh, today with these mm-hmm. just slick cheese ball, um, 
cookie cutter conveyor belt uh, stuff that is just well, pumped out everywhere. That, you see, yeah, all the all these um, uh, superhero things. It's like every one of them is apocalypse occurs <laughs> and uh, you know it's supernatural apocalypse but i mean that's that's the basis of every damn one of them right so it's kind of like the guns it sort of normalizes the apocalypse it's like oh you know if you if you start talking about nuclear winter or something and it's like okay whatever you know I, <clears throat> um you know i definitely there is a contingent of people that it worries um you know uh what what number that is um who knows now uh, what will worry do with you when you have this authoritarian um, government that <laughs> uh, just continues to escalate uh, you know of the size of the military you know it's just uh, there's no sign that they're gonna give an inch to try to you know step back the size of the military it's Biden will probably leave. With the, the, his last budget will be a trillion dollars. Get ready for that one, you know. It'll be yeah, that's my prediction, yeah. Pr proudly, yeah. Did you already do that? Is that on our predictions? I think that I, yeah. last, I said before, uh, last time, I said before Biden, um, that'll be his big, you know, uh -huh. hard on the uh -huh. yeah, yeah. 90 year old with a, with a stiffy because he got, <laughs> I got it up there, a trillion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, the, that I mean, that the, so that that's the alarming thing is really the culture. Absolutely. Uh, not not to it, not to say that they weren't just totally psychotic, crazy in the eighties. I mean, uh, in the sense but there that there was still that intellectual dimension. And you know, now that you mentioned in the eighties, that ties into that uh, nineteen eighty one, the year that that other um, movie film uh, was made. Mm -hmm. the two Spanish films that mm -hmm. I th that I saw. Mm -hmm. Um, and so culturally there's an overlap where there's some intellectual influence in the storytelling, mm -hmm. right? Like right. it is, it does make you think about something and, and ponder the actual realities and horrors of what, uh, is going on. And, you know, authoritarian, I think is, is, is the word like these days, you just can't do that. No one's motivated to do that. No one wants to have like an intellectual philosophical conversation and ponder something that is, you know, very serious and definitely demands your attention. Like, do you really want to have nuclear war? Well, suppo supposedly um, the uh, progressives uh, in Congress, um, they're on board too now. Uh, they're on board. You know, they had this thing oh, where they, they were, the the letter. <laughs> well, I mean, the, you you remember the letter that they had drafted and was leaked back right before oh, the election. Like, we didn't mean it. No. Like, yeah, we, we didn't mean it. It's, so, and you haven't heard a peep about uh, like negotiations or any. Well, I mean, then after that, they you know up the military. Yes, I'm glad that you you said that. There's, if I'm not mistaken. There's not a single voice, right, in our free country mm -hmm. that is the voice of de-escalation and, and peace. Right. That you just temporarily have to reach some kind of settlement. Because here's what I'm concerned is going to happen. This all builds up to that you have to think about the weather, right? It's, it's a really cold, I think, landlocked. Uh, 
area of Eastern Europe going into Russia, if I'm not mistaken, right? It's, so it's going to be really cold there this time of year. As it warms up, right, It's then it's going to be, you know, hunting season, killing season. Like Russia's really going to uh, get it, you know, get into it. They're going to up their game. Mm-hmm. And then these other nations, including, surprise, surprise, the United States, are being foolish, right? And I think just throwing fuel on the fire here, arming Ukraine. And again, I think that the reality is that I don't see how you can look at it and how Ukraine can win the war. Like it's They're too small. Russia's too big. And if you escalate the war, all you do is invite the possibility of nuclear doom, right? And so this is all just so unbelievably stupid and dangerous. And the mm-hmm. fact that nobody can bring themselves to do it shows not only that they're corrupt, but that they're just almost like this like post-human, like existentially extinct thing, right? Like they're literally the shell you know the hollow man that uh the uh the poem is 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 about if you know the reference that i'm making like kurtz at the end of apocalypse now we're the hollow men oh, oh the horror yeah is that t.s Eliot? probably what the, the white white the, what? the, the, the what was uh, the quote uh we are the hollow men yeah i, I don't know where that quote comes from I guess I anyway, can look it up for um, you. We can anyway. uh, we can look into that um, as 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 we see fit. But um, mm-hmm. but just like what the hell is the matter with people that they wouldn't say you know I don't want this to happen. So if you don't want a nuclear war, if you don't want it to be the end of the world, then why would you stride toward a nuclear war? Right? It's like if there's a a pool of piranha. And you don't want to get in the pool of piranha, wouldn't you walk away from it rather than walk in toward it? Well, I'm not gonna get in. I'm so close, <laughs> right? And that's the same thing as pointing the gun, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, look at me. I'm gonna get laid tonight. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, our our nuclear weapons are. Um... Um, a constant pointing of the weapon at the world, really. I mean, that, that's what the the basis of our foreign policy is. Um, yeah, uh, I, behind I, it all is the threat that we could totally annihilate you, right? I mean, that's the... Um, <clears throat> we get right, any but time Russia we, has um, equal, if right, not yeah. surpassing... Well, and on top of that, we've got the China escalation, uh, too. Now, it's not anywhere near as hot because... You know, unlike the United States or Russia or whatever, uh, they haven't invaded or never never have invaded any countries, right? Uh, uh, unlike us, who've uh, killed tens of millions of people since World War II and our various uh, uh, adventures. <laughs> um, you know, tens uh, of millions. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, uh, here here's a quick walkthrough. I mean. Uh, over a million, over a, a million, over a million, yeah, a little walk through the graveyard, um, a million in Korea, 
uh, three to five million, probably five million in Vietnam, uh, probably a million and a half in Iraq now, um, you know, and there's a few millions here and there, but who's counting, you know? Um, yeah, so it's quite grim. Um, we're the evil ones. Year war in yeah, yeah. That, uh, I think the numbers are more in the hundred thousand range. You know, in the low hundred thousands, three or four hundred thousands. That's all. So hey, you know. But you you may have noticed again who's counting the, uh, this issue with the 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 tanks, the German tanks, and Germany doesn't want to send the tanks directly to uh-huh. Ukraine, but other countries have German tanks. But they, those other countries can only send those German tanks to Ukraine with Germany's permission. So Germany giving these other countries uh, permission for them to send the German tanks to Ukraine mm-hmm. is not the same thing as if Germany itself just directly sends the tanks to Ukraine. And so Germany's, um, I think, cautious um even uh, and I'm agreeing with if I'm reading this correctly, the German approach here, uh, uh, skittish, <laughs> yeah, right, um, right. almost paranoid, mm-hmm. like, well, you know, we're not going to send them, but you've got them, you can send them, but then, well, we have to give permission. Is giving permission the same thing as if we actually send them? Well, why would Germany be worried about this? Well, because I think Germany maybe has a better understanding of uh, what's going on, given both their own history, right? The Germans themselves, I think, are more sensitive, one could argue, to mm-hmm. the uh, the pitfalls of, of escalation. Of yeah, course. so here's from, uh, sure. from uh, two days ago. Uh, opinion, uh, the headline from um, the Washington Post, uh, from the editorial board, opinion, Germany is refusing to send tanks to Ukraine. Biden cannot let this stand, is the title of the, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> of the opinion. So you can you can see the attitude of the makers of policy. Uh, now, uh, what, the, what, what publication is this again? Washington Post editorial board right. isn't that supposed to be like the liberal Nixon well yeah it's, it's equivalent to the new york times it's the you know it's the the reefer madness times yeah yeah i mean it's it's the the washington post is more is the kind of it is the washington dc main rag so yeah they always have their uh, and of course yeah they are liberal meaning that they're bloodthirsty uh maniacs <laughs> yeah i mean that that's the liberal of today at least at least the ruling class liberals um and uh yeah i mean they're more hawkish than biden they're like how dare germany biden you cannot let them stand we need we need to invade now <laughs> they're not sending enough tanks so we need to roll in there maybe we should nuke them i mean fuck that's just not cool man yeah, so, Duke Germany. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think? I mean, come on. <laughs> now that would blow our mind, wouldn't it? You're like, hey, watch this. You think you're going to do it? Sorry, too late. <laughs> we need to clear clear the way to get, and go through there. You know, 
didn't didn't need any of those those cities in the way if we were going to invade on the ground. But uh, why would we bother after we flattened it all and irradiated it? We're never going in there anyway. So yeah. Yeah. So here's another early 80s movie that comes to mind uh, uh, for your eyes only, a uh, James Bond movie. For your eyes only. It's the Roger Moore movie after uh, Moonraker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think Moonraker is pretty good, uh, mm. and so is The Spy Who Loved Me. Mm. But some of the other Roger Moore, James Bonds, uh, aren't that great. Yeah, I, 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 I did. I did. A, I did a binge a few years ago, and the ones that, that that get worse. Yeah. But at the very end of For Your Eyes Only, I don't know if, if you've seen this Bond movie, but there's this. Um, yeah, I've seen. Uh, I've seen I mean, them it basically, all. looks like a an adding machine uh, or something. Um, <clears throat> but it sort of it controls like some kind of uh, nuclear weapon, and both the east and the west are trying to get it. The Soviets, KGB, and then first intelligence and James Bond, right? And so they wind up having to go to this uh, castle that's on top of a steep cliff uh, in Greece, which they built to hide from the Germans in World War II. And then um, so at the at the end, there's a fight to get this uh, controlling device. Bond gets it. And the Russians have their, the Soviets have their uh, machine guns pointed at him. And Bond turns around and he slings the, the device into the rocks of the mountain and it shatters into, uh, uh, into tiny uh, pieces, right? He, he destroys it. And, and then Bond looks at the head of the KGB and says, uh, detente, right? We don't have it, and you don't have it. Yeah, and, uh, so I'm looking at the beginning. She, he shoots the gun in the circle, but it's her eye. It's a, <laughs> uh, Baldwin? Huh? For your eyes only. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, the, oh uh, yeah, and that's the one that's got... Um, uh, uh, what's the name of the... Carol Bouquet, she was the Bond girl, right? And that, yeah. That, there, there were two Bond girls. There's the skater, the younger one, and then there's a slightly older one who I think is is Greek, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a brunette. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know all of their names. Yeah. But again, I, I'm tying in the early 80s. That's 1983, and then we got the 1981, and then the, the movie uh, The Day After has to be, I, I think, I would say 1982 would be my guess. But they all have that, even a freaking James Bond movie, right, has some intellectual uh, element to it. There's some something to the dialogue. There's something about ideas, right, ways of, of seeing the world both acknowledging like the horrible possibilities of what can happen mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. then the possibility to use your brain to avert these really horrible things right instead of doing this jerk off thing that we do which is we obsess on these things that are not really that big of a deal at all right like smoking pot mm-hmm. and then 
we don't care at all about this really horrible thing like the end of the world, nuclear annihilation. Um, that again, my prediction, sadly, for 2023 is that another thing, again, I get to be nervous about, and I'm sick of being nervous about things, is uh, we're going to have some kind of Cuban Missile Crisis. And again, that month of October stands out because October would be the time of year when you've had an entire summer of fighting, right, that is building up to um, when you're going to have this moment of, of escalation, right? Because as it stands now, it's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. we, there's no talk of Ukraine only gets a limited supply. And this gets into these larger questions that I have, which is how much are you going to give Ukraine before you would ever say it's just stupid, which it already is, <laughs> to keep giving them more? And you, you mentioned the you use the perfect word, which is attitude. It's never going to happen. Because the attitude, of course, is this is really awesome, right? We're going to talk about bravery and heroes and the same, you know, adventure story that uh, so many Americans are just convinced that that war is. Um, But I just, I mean, I'm open to ideas, but I mean, what other scenario is going to play out here? Yeah, um, it's um, um, rather worrying. It'll all be all right, man. You worry too much, dude. You worry too much. Smoke some dope. You'll be fine, man. <laughs> I, I'm watching the rather long uh, trailer for for your eyes only. I, I'm pretty certain I saw all these movies, but I don't remember a thing from this. There's a big ski Probably scene. Probably blocked them out. <laughs> big ski scene with motorcycles with spikes on their Yeah, heads. it's <laughs> it's pretty um, oh, uh, not uh, so cookie great. cutter. It's not. It's definitely not one of the better. Uh, yeah. Bond films. Yeah. So yeah, let's. Um, they just kind of have here's an action sequence, then we'll do this, and then. So yeah, let's move to. Um, as right. uh, something more pleasant, dude, like uh, David Crosby dying. What a motherfucker. No, I mean, as far as hippies, uh, it's an old hippies died. That's a little sad, but uh, uh, <clears throat> maybe they'll bury him in the Virgin Islands or cannabis is now going to be legal. Um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> But uh, you know, be like the Virgin Islands. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, he was kind of a famous wild, wild uh, drug user. You know, I, I guess he, <laughs> uh, you know, it, he was uh, kind of out of control, crackhead. <laughs> there by the, I guess the '80s, he finally. I don't know if he lost. He probably got sober first, but uh, he did lose his liver in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hepatitis C, possibly drug-related how he got the hepatitis C, but uh, but pretty amazingly, almost 28 years, uh, he lived off of somebody else's liver. Um, so, uh, oh, oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> what, you know, it was pretty good health. Uh, you know, uh, usually you don't think of 
somebody with would, a transplant. Would you attribute that, that to alcohol? <laughs> what, that pickled his liver and that he lived long? Or, or you mean he got hepatitis C? Um, yeah, it's gen- got that from... Generally, it's a it's a blood up. it's a blood borne thing. They say you can get it from like sharing. Um, if you're like a hardcore snorter, um, that you can bleed out of your nose, and if you're using a straw or whatever and exchange it, that you could possibly get it that way. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, pretty pretty common thing, and uh, it was too late for him. Now you can. Pretty much, uh, it's like cost $100,000 if you don't have insurance, but there is pretty much a cure for hepatitis C now. Um, this drug, like, knocks it out. I've known a couple people that have uh, been cured of what we used to be a, you know, permanent chronic chronic disease. But, uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, David Crosby, we listened to some of his, um, of course, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, his most famous work, and... Yeah, I think I think their music is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wooden Ships is one of the best Wooden songs ever. And you know, I didn't realize I uh, was reading about it um, that song, and it's like a nuclear. It's a speaking of Armageddon. It's an Armageddon song. It's like they're taking the wooden ships and leaving the radioactive <laughs> uh, land, and it's like wooden ships because a metal ship would be like radioactive, so they have to <laughs> use a wooden ship, and they. Uh, you know, escape the. Okay, that's interesting because uh, you know the way that I hear the song is that they're clearly in survival mode, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't necessarily tie it into. Uh, there's a nuclear mm-hmm. holocaust war. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're escaping from from the nuclear devastated lands and going by sea to a new land you know that's the and um <clears throat> yeah so um ties right in man um yeah so as far as cannabis virgin islands i don't know you sent that to me i mean it's one more place i'm not sure if they voted did they vote for that or uh, uh i think it's this is just through the the government yeah legislation um, yeah um yeah, but uh, I haven't heard anything about legalization on the federal level. Have you? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> Oddly enough, it kind of kind of is the same as is uh, the anti-war message. I, I'm not. <laughs> right. I'm not hearing about that. I'm not hearing about that from the progressives. You'd think you'd hear a little bit, but um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it just still remains. Maybe they're still yeah. on vacation. People are more comfortable with the world that's, you know, on the brink of nuclear annihilation <laughs> than they are if somebody's smoking a joint. I mean, that's just how blind people are. Either that or it's that they just can't help themselves in the, their rage and their desire for punishment. They just have to life is so uh is is too much and they just have to dump it on someone they have to lash out in one way or another wooden ships uh let's see um and what's up with the silicon valley the panic selling um um 
Well, if, if I can just go back to David Crosby, uh-huh. uh, we'll for leave him. Yeah, one, one second. Uh, I think uh, his uh, death is just um, really another nail in the coffin <laughs> for the, the mm-hmm. counterculture, mm-hmm. and he was uh, kind of you know, over the top, mm-hmm. uh, right? Way way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I have, we were talking about 70s film. I think the music from the late 60s and early 70s is just awesome. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, another peak, um, uh, another uh, golden age of, of, of uh, music in this case. Uh, Woodstock, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. culminating that. And then you still get some good stuff flowing out of that in, into the 70s. Um, but that is a, a time that's a, that's a generation that's kind of a collective mind, uh, right. If you will, like a period in history, the use of psychedelics, then the, the, that really rebellious artistic vibe that, uh, that's gone. Right. And so when someone like David Crosby dies, um, that does basically die with him because it's not something that's going to be continuing and, and picked up on. And I'm not judging the music of today, but whatever it is, it isn't the music of the late sixties and, and early seventies, right? It, it, it's not that. And so, and I don't think it does have any real uh, artistic uh, rebellion uh, spirit to it, right? It's, too much about itself um and that mean that is consistent with the observation that there isn't any kind of anti-war movement and the culture doesn't have any basic facility with intellectual thought right it can't ponder because it's in this psycho mode all the time it, it can't ponder um like, do you want to have a nuclear war? You know, yes, no. If no, then, okay, question, why escalate? Hmm, you know, it, it doesn't, it won't have that conversation. It's just, it's on the runaway creepy train. Runaway creepy train. <laughs> You've got the wooden ships and the, the <laughs> runaway creepy train. <laughs> Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, in a in a dark way, I guess, but that's pretty cool that wooden ships because I, I really love that song. Mm-hmm. That's actually about. I had always thought it was about being stranded at sea because of a storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a bigger storm than you thought, man. And, okay. and it's it's um, co-written. It's um, didn't Jefferson Airplane write it with David Crosby? Well, it's David Crosby, Paul Kantner, who's uh, the from g- g- guitar from Jefferson Airplane, and Stephen Stills. And, um, yeah, I, I think Paul um, pre- kind of finished it. David Crosby started it and uh, something like that. But, they, yeah, it was a... It was a collab, and Jefferson Airplane, uh, uh, their Woodstock performance has them performing wooden ships, and and 
I think they also had it on that Volunteers album from that same year, 1969. It is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. (laughs) Here's some some of the lyrics. Black sails knifing through the pitch blend night. Pitch blend is uranium. Away from the radioactive landmass madness. From the silver-suited people searching out uncontaminated food and shelter on the shores. No glowing metal on our ship of wood. Only free, happy, crazy people naked in the universe. Oh, so here's here's the verses. Any skills? If you smile at me, I will understand, because that is something everybody everywhere does in the same language. I can see by your coat, my friend. You're from the other side. There's just one thing I got to know. Can you tell me, please, who won? Say, can I have some of your purple berries? Yes, I've been eating them for six or seven weeks now. I haven't got sick once. Probably keep us both alive. Wooden chips on the water, very free and easy. Right, and that's all kind of, you know, sharing. Silver people on the shoreline. Silver people are the people on the hazmat suits. Silver people on the shoreline. Right, well, it's that second part that I guess maybe at that point I'm not, Paying as close attention to the, mm. I'm, I'm all into the music. Yeah, man, you just. You just but it's grooming. clear, yeah, that there's a conflict, and um, but the emphasis on the smiling. Har, so har if grips. I smile at you. Har, you har, know, har, understand. Yeah, har grips us as we watch you die. All we can do is echo your anguished cries. Anguish Stare cries. as all human feelings die. We are leaving. You don't need us. What do you think that means? You don't need us. Um, I don't know. Uh, go take your sister then by the hand, lead her away from this foreign land, far away where we might laugh again. We are leaving. You don't need us. And it's and it's a fair wind blowing warm out of the south over my shoulder. Guess I'll set a course and go. That's heavy, man. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> just radioactively good, man. Yeah, all right. Groovy. Oh, I'm feeling much better. I'm feeling very mellow. <laughs> you know, feeling good, even though Crosby died. You know, hippie, hip, the hippie idea will live on forever and ever. We're we're gonna uh, we're gonna start the uh, the oblivion <laughs> weed strain. <laughs> <laughs> right, good idea. Yeah. We gotta we gotta monetize this fucking thing, man. That's right. This is <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, just the beginning uh, for my uh, co-host uh, David Miller. This is Doctor David W. Overby, and you've been listening to the Oblivion Podcast. See you on the other shore, man. <laughs>